1: today on cornerstone connection with pastor Gary Hamrick Real love is calling listen. Truth opens up your eyes mercy is
0: waiting for
1: you with every sunrise
2: From the time that God makes a promise to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 it's been 10 years it's been 10 years we haven't had any babies yet And so Abram begins to take things into his own hands here and to hasten along God's promise. What he doesn't realize is, in actuality, it's going to be another 15 years before Isaac is born. The child of the promise that God intended will not be born until Genesis 21. It'll be 25 years later from the time in Genesis 12 that God makes this promise to Abram when Abram is still living in Ur of the Chaldeans.
1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Genesis. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching through the book of Genesis, he'll be reminding us that God allows us to be put into situations that cause us to learn to patiently wait on Him. In the same way that God gave Abraham the promise of having a son and many descendants, yet he didn't have a son for many years later, we too will have to wait for many of God's promises to come to pass. Just because God doesn't answer our prayers on our timing doesn't mean that He hasn't heard us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection, subscribe to the podcast, Or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message entitled, Learning to Wait.
2: Let me ask you a couple of questions. Ever felt like God wasn't working fast enough for you? Have you ever felt like your prayers weren't being heard because you didn't get what you wanted when you wanted it? Do you feel that patience is probably not one of your virtues? If you've answered yes to any of those questions, then you're at the right Bible study. Now, as we look into chapter 16, let me frame it by first reminding us of the events of chapter 15 from our study last week. Last week, we talked about how Abram realizes he's getting up there in age, and he hasn't had any children. He and his wife haven't been able to have any children, and so Abram kind of resigns himself to the idea that probably Eliezer, his servant, will end up being the heir of his estate. Well, in chapter 15, the Lord appears to Abram, and the Lord makes covenant with Abram. We talked about covenant last week. And how Abram divided animals in half as God instructed him with a path in the middle. And then God, by representation of a smoking pot and a burning torch, passed between the halves and he made covenant with Abram. And what the Lord said to Abram was, no, Eleazar is not going to be your heir. But in fact, and he promises this in Genesis fifteen four. he says to Abram, but in fact, a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then he says to this aging man, Come on outside, Abraham, and look up into the night sky and see all the stars because that's as numerous as your descendants shall be. Now, God no sooner makes covenant with Abram in this regard and promises him numerous descendants, but that then you turn a page and you come to chapter 16, and Abram begins to think to himself, I guess because I'm not getting any younger. My wife is no longer a spring chicken. I mean, he's now 85 in the story. She's 75 in the story. And what does he begin to do? He figures that since God made this promise to me, that I'm supposed to have many descendants, but it seems that me and my wife can't have any kids, I guess what I need to do is to sleep with my wife's maidservant, have sex with her, and have a child that way. And that, in essence, then, will speed along God's promise. Now, before you look at chapter 16 and think, what a harebrained idea Abram had here. What a dirty old man who just wants to sleep with a younger, live-in uh, housekeeper as, who is an assistant to his wife. Before you think that of him, remember, the story tells us it was his wife's idea. It was Sarai's idea. Back in verse 2, notice it again with me. So she said, this is Sarai, she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And then the next sentence, Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Now, notice, he wasn't objecting here. Um, granted, he, he didn't object to his wife's suggestion. In fact, in my opinion, he seems a little too eager to actually agree with her, but it wasn't his idea alone. He joins it, but actually his wife came up with this idea. But again, when you look at the story here, I get the idea that "Mm, this is appealing to Abram. You know, I kind of get the idea that he's the kind of guy where, you know, the wife is asking you to take out the trash, you know how it goes. "Ah, I don't want to take out the trash again. Probably he moans whenever his wife says, Abram, would you please take out the trash? But you make a suggestion that you want to sleep with my live-in younger assistant, and he's happy to oblige. I think it's, it's evident in the text, if you ask me. It reminds me of the story of the farmer who had three cows, and he wanted to increase his herd. Well, he had a friend down the road, a farmer friend down the road, who had a bull. So he loaded up his three cows back of his pickup truck, took them down the end of the road, unloaded them off into the field. They went, did their thing, put them back in the pickup truck, took them back home. The farmer said to his buddy, now, how do I know if this actually took? Do I need to bring them back? He says, well, this is how you know if it took. It's real easy. He said, if you wake up in the morning and your three cows are laying down in the field, it didn't take. You got to load them back up in a pickup truck, bring them down here. We'll do it all over again. Farmer woke up the next morning, looked out in the field, and there they were, three cows laying down in the field. So loads them back up, puts them in a pickup truck, hauls them down the end of the road, lets them go out in the field with the bull for the day, gets them all back on the pickup truck, comes back home, looks out the next morning. Sure enough, they're still lying down in the field. This goes on for weeks. Finally, the is so exasperated, he turns to his wife He says, Honey, I, I can't bear to look out the window this morning to see if they're lying down again. This is getting tiring. Would you please look out the window and tell me what you see? She looks out the window and she says, Well... They're not standing. He says, they're not standing. Well, no, not exactly. They're lying down. Well, no, not exactly. Well, What are they doing? She says, well, honey, two of the cows are in the back of the pickup. The third one's in the front beeping the horn. (laughs) And I get the idea that Abram's beeping the horn in this story. He's like, yeah, this sounds good to me, Sarah. Let's go ahead and do this. Now, um, here's the deal. It's been 10 years. From the time that God makes a promise to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. We haven't had any babies yet. And so Abram begins to take things into his own hands here and to hasten along God's promise. What he doesn't realize is, in actuality, it's going to be another 15 years before Isaac is born. The child of the promise that God intended will not be born until Genesis 21. It'll be 25 years later from the time in Genesis 12 that God makes this promise to Abram when Abram is still living in Ur of the Chaldeans in what is modern Iraq. He's living in the ancient city of Ur. God appears to him in Genesis chapter 12. He says, you're going to be the the father of many nations. Until Isaac, the child of the promise, is born in Genesis 21, it'll be 25 years. 25 years. So he's 10 years into this, not knowing it's going to be another 15, and he's already growing impatient. He's like, you know what, I just need to hasten God along. He told me I'm supposed to have, you know, a lot of kids here, and so, Sarah, you got a good idea. Uh, Let me just sleep with Hagar, have sex with her, have a baby with her, and then we'll get this thing on the road. And he doesn't know, and she as well, Sarah, doesn't know how to wait on the Lord. But, I mean, you know, let's, let's be gracious. It has been 10 years you ever tried to wait on the Lord for 10 years? Have you been praying for something that God hasn't seemed to answer and it's been a long, long time? And you've been wondering, you know, why doesn't God seem to answer my prayer? Why is it that He doesn't seem to meet my needs? Why is it He doesn't seem to care? And and, and we can perceive it that way, but here's the deal. We need to learn to wait on the Lord. What they resorted to here was not the will of God. It was their own flesh. They got their flesh involved. They took matters into their own hands. They decided, we're going to help God along. We're going to do something that was very fleshly. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's intention. But nevertheless, that's what, they, that's what they conjure up, and that's what they do. But we have to learn to wait on the Lord. Have you ever looked in the Bible? How many times the Bible talks about waiting on the Lord? Just being patient and waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. On the Lord. Let me give you a few verses, and I'll just kind of rattle through some of these real quickly. Here's one in Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Here's one in Psalm 33, verse 20. We wait in a hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Here's one in Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. David would write in Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And then one more, as an example, Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. Verse after verse after verse of the Bible talks about waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord. God's timing is perfect. His will is perfect. We need to wait. We need to learn to wait. You know what's interesting? When you look through the Bible, I haven't found a single verse where God instructs us to hurry up. It's all about waiting. It's all about waiting. Time and time again throughout Scripture, God says, wait. Wait in the Lord. Wait in the Lord. What does this indicate about the human heart? What it indicates about the human heart is that we are more inclined to get ahead of God and to be impatient with His timing. That's why God over and over again says, wait. You need to wait. Don't be impatient. Wait. Don't be hasty. Wait. Don't take things into your own hands. Wait. Don't make decisions in the flesh. Wait. Constantly the Bible challenges us to wait. The challenge is, though, that what the Bible teaches us in terms of waiting on the Lord goes kind of contrary to the very fast-paced society in which we now live. Everything is so instant. We want God to be instant. We have instant rice. We have instant soup. We have instant messaging. We have instant news. I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember the day when to watch the news to find out what happened during the day, You had to wait till the evening paper was thrown in your driveway. You had to wait until the 11 o'clock news at night. Then you'd sit around, turn on the television, and find out what happened during the day. And then I I guess it got competitive, or we got hungry for more information. So now the the other network's like, well, we'll do the 10 o'clock news. We'll beat the 11. We'll do 10 o'clock news. And then it became the 6 o'clock news. I'll see your 10. I'll raise you 6. I'll go to 5. 5 o'clock? Do I hear 5? 5. How about 4? 4 o'clock news. We got 12 new news. Now we got cable television with news 24-7. It's streaming live constantly. News, news, news. And I also remember the date when you actually had to get up to change the channel. (laughs) Now we just fight with our remotes because we want instant news. We don't get instant news. Why isn't this remote working? Why isn't isn't this working? Why isn't isn't this remote? You could have gotten up and changed your channel by now. We're so instant. We want everything instant now. My remote isn't working. The world's falling apart. What's happening? Instant. Everything is instant. We live in such an instant world. My son, Tyler, our, our oldest son, Tyler, got engaged. A, a wonderful young lady, Kayla, who goes to our church, he and her family. And uh, as soon as they got engaged, of course, they post it on Facebook, right? And now the whole world instantly knows that they're engaged. And Tyler came up at the end of the day, and we talked about it. And here's the question he asked me. He said, Dad, he said, when you and mom got engaged, how did you let people know? <laughs> I said, well, here's how it went down, Tyler. When we would see people, we would tell them. (laughs) That's kind of how it worked. We'd actually show them the ring. We didn't change our status. We, like, actually would show them. That's how it worked. But now the issue is, because we live in such an instant world where everything is fast, it's rapid fire, we now have a difficulty reconciling How instant our technology is with the perfect timing of God. Everything's so fast now. I remember the day, ladies, do you remember the day? When having a baby was usually a two or three day stay in the hospital. It used to be like two or three days. Now, now, you have a baby in the morning, you're home by dinner. Dinner. You're home by dinner. I remember when the church was first starting and I would be able to go visit ladies in the hospital. They they would have a baby. And I knew I had about two days until I could get by to see them because actually that was more respectful. Nobody, no lady likes to have the pastor come into the hospital room an hour after she's just had a baby. Like give me a chance to primp a little bit. So, you know, it was good. It worked out. So I could give two days and get on over there. Now, it's like we get a call here at the church in the morning. If we don't get over there by lunchtime, she's going to be home with that baby. I'm convinced there's going to be a day where there's going to be a drive through hospital. I'm convinced. And you're just going to stay in your car. Have that baby. Thanks. I'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. And you're just going to, they're going to make an app for it. There's going to be an app on your phone how to have a baby. Just press here. I mean it's crazy how fast things are getting. Do you remember do you remember how slow it was? The old cameras? Oh, mercy. The old cameras that you went to take a picture, no, though was like, okay, now I got to open up the lid here, I got to put in a spool of film, I got to pull the film across to the other spool, we got to wind that up a little bit. And we got to close it. Now we got to find a light bulb. Remember those cube light bulbs? They weren't good for four flashes and, and it would rotate every time you Wound that picture to the next picture. Look through that tiny little viewfinder. You didn't know what you were getting. You didn't know the kind of picture was coming down. You just were by faith like clicking pictures, rotating the bulb. It was all good. Then you, then you were careful. You had to wind that film all the way back in that spool. Make sure it's all wind back. Can't open up that lid too early. You're going to overexpose everything. Then you take that spool out. You got to drive to the drugstore. You got to put it in an envelope, fill out that envelope, ask a lot of information, social security number, how many kids do you have, fill that whole thing out. It's got gummy little seal to it. You're always worried like my spool's going to fall out somewhere in this heap. Then you seal it all up, drop it down a little hole, it goes off to China, and then, and then people develop it, and then a week later, you get your pictures. How many of you remember those days? Okay. A week later, and then you'd open up with anticipation. You'd open up and see what your picture, half of them had your finger over the lens. <laughs> Uncle Bob wasn't even looking at you. Red eyes looked like they were demon-possessed people. In your, you're just like, ah, oh, well, half of these aren't even any good. That's the way it used to be. Now, it's all instant. You get to even look at what you just took. No, nah, I don't like that. Take it again. No, nah, I don't like Take it again. No, nah, not, not going to work. And then you pop into the computer. 25 seconds later, you're printing out your own picture. All fast, rapid fire. This is the way the world is now. The challenge is that we want God to work as quickly as our technology. So we pray to God and we ask Him to do something. And If He doesn't answer it by Monday, we're upset. We're like, what kind of customer service do you have, Lord? I can't believe this. I've been praying here for what now? Three hours and I can't believe that you... And that's... Because our, the, the culture now has shaped us to be very demanding consumers. We want everything now. We're used to speed. Everything is of the essence. Time is precious. And so we want stuff rapid fire instantly and according to our own expectations. Now, you try to reconcile that with what the Bible teaches. I'm all for technology. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. But we have to be aware. Here's the deal. We have lost the spiritual discipline of learning to wait on God. We've lost it because we're so accustomed now to getting everything how we want it, quickly. And God does not operate according to our timetable, in case you haven't noticed. His ways are perfect, and His timing is perfect. But we've got to reconcile the the fast-paced world in which we live with the idea that spiritual discipline demands. The Bible instructs us to wait upon the Lord. And when we don't, when we take matters into our own hands, when we make fleshly decisions, because we don't wait on the Lord, we think too much time has passed, God's not doing what we want Him to do, and then we take matters into our own hands, it creates a mess. This 16th chapter is a story about a mess, because what happens here is Sarah makes a suggestion, Abram obliges, he's not really a spiritual leader that should, that should say to his wife lovingly, we need to wait upon the Lord, that's not God's will, he also agrees He has sex with the maidservant. Now the maidservant, now she's going to start to taunt Sarah. And the whole mess is going to unravel here. Look again at verse 4. In verse 4, it says, He that is Abram slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. The word despise in the Hebrew is kalal. It means to belittle or to curse. Now, we don't know what the dialogue is exactly, but I can imagine. There's some catfighting going on right here. Sarah is now, she is 75 years old. She's never been able to have children. Her younger live-in maidservant is pregnant by her husband, by Abram. No doubt Sarah is hurt by this, becomes jealous. it doesn't help because Hagar is trash-talking her. She's like, well, look look who's pregnant and look who's not. Hmm, I guess it's not Abram's fault, is it, princess? <laughs> and that's going back and forth. Hurtful, mean, contentious all of that all right and then what does sarah do she takes it out on her husband because look at verse 5 Sarai says to abram you are responsible for the wrong i'm suffering i put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant she despises me may the lord judge between you and me she's like god's gonna god god's gonna get you because you didn't stand you, 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 you. And she's mad at him. That was her idea. But she's like, look what you've done. Fine mess you've gotten us into. You're not a spiritual leader, old man. You know." And she's giving it to him. And what does he do? He fires back. He basically says, hey, it was your idea, old lady. He says, I didn't say old lady, but, it, but they're, they're getting up there. <laughs> but in verse 6, verse 6, he says, your servant is in your hands, Abram. says, do with her what you, you think best. I'm not responsible here. Don't blame me. You're the one who hatched this plan. I'm not responsible here. You do what you want to do. And then look at the rest of verse 6. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. The word mistreat in the Hebrew is anah. Um, It means to browbeat. So it just goes full circle. Hagar gets pregnant. It was an act of the flesh. It should never have happened. It wasn't God's will. Then when she's pregnant, she despises Sarai. Sarah gets mad at her husband. Her husband gives it back to Sarai. Sarah then gives it back to Hagar. And then Hagar runs away and runs to the desert. See what a mess is going on here? Everybody's fighting. There's contention. There's all of this mistreatment. All because an act of the flesh led to this. Led to this conflict. And then the angel of the Lord shows up in this story, and he ministers to Hagar. Here she is in the desert, and God shows up. Now it says the angel of the Lord, it's the direct article of the, which means this is a, an appearance of Jesus. The angel of the Lord is called a Christophany. It means it's an appearance of Jesus. We know it's the Lord because later on, when Hagar names the Lord because she has seen Him, look at verse 13. It says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. So it's the Lord speaking. And she says to him, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And she gives this name to the Lord. You are the God who sees me. In Hebrew, it is El-Roi. It is hyphenated. It's a compound name for God. El-Roi means the God who sees. And she commends the Lord. She says, I have now seen the one who sees me. God has been gracious to her. He ministers to her in the desert. And he speaks to her and even tells her what the baby is to be named, Ishmael, which means God hears. From Shema, El, El, God, Shema, to here, Ishmael. And so she's going to have this baby, and notice, if you will, that God even says about Ishmael that his descendants will be numerous. That's what verse 10 tells us. The Lord promises Ishmael will have many descendants, and it's very similar language. Numerous descendants in the same way that God spoke this to Abram. Why? Because God made a promise to Abram. He says, I'm going to bless your descendants. They're going to be numerous. Just because Abram is engaged in an act of the flesh does not mean that God withdraws his promise. Ishmael is born to the flesh. This is a fleshly instinct that takes over between Sarah and Abram and Hagar. But nevertheless, God is faithful to his word that the descendants of Abram will be numerous. Ishmael is a child of Abram, so his descendants will be numerous. And yes, they are because the descendants of Ishmael are the Arab people today. But I want you to notice that God speaks prophetically here because God says about Ishmael and Ishmael's descendants that as a result of this fleshly union, the end result is going to be, there's going to be constant conflict. There's going to be constant conflict. Look at verse 12. The Lord speaks here and He says, He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. God says, in other words, He's going to be wild and stubborn, strong and independent, and in a constant state of feuding.
1: Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord said, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. What is this cornerstone? Or better yet, who is this cornerstone? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is that cornerstone. And it's our desire to honor and glorify Jesus through the teachings that you hear each day on Cornerstone Connection. Cornerstone Connection is the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hemrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. You can get a free, downloadable copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. It's our hope that you're attending a local church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If you don't currently have a church home and live in the Northern Virginia area, We encourage you to join us in person for worship. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Please join us next time as we continue through the book of Genesis. They say you're a
2: wandering soul.
1: Got no place to go But still you know But still you know You're not